Hello, we're recording live from Brooklyn. Best of the decade. Well, it's your boys, Jake and Dan, first of all. I have to identify ourselves. Give it up for Jake and Jan. Yeah, we are recording some more best of the decade content for you. We are so close to revealing what the top 50 albums of the decade are. It's going to be amazing, but we wanted to give you some more content, let you in behind the curtain a little bit, and let you see some of the debates that we're having behind the scenes about which albums are going to make in the list. Because 50 albums out of the whole decade, like you're you're leaving out a lot of good music. And especially with some of these artists, they got more than one good album. It's hard to believe. Sometimes two, sometimes three. So how do you talk through which album deserves to be on that list when there's such a large body of work that can be considered for this list? How do you determine what it is? And that's when you decide to record a podcast about it. Absolutely. So, Jake, we're doing, we're going down the list today of some of our favorite artists, and we're debating which of their albums. I don't know if, I don't know if we're going to get to any that have two that maybe are on the list, but today we're trying to do which one of their albums is going to make this list, and then we'll reveal the list in just a matter of months. We're almost there. Important context for today's episode. We're gone off a combined three cold brews. Yeah. I'm feeling good. It's really hot you, in here. Yeah. But I feel okay. I'm making it intense is so eye hot contact with Dan. <laughs> Listen, when you record a podcast in 90 degree heat, humidity, you can re- record a podcast in any condition. Real feel Catch 115 the, degrees. <laughs> Catch us uh, in Siberia for our next pod. I hope so. For, well, yeah. because we'll be political dissidents yeah. in Soviet Russia. That's the goal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the basic idea for today's podcast is uh, we sent each other some initial lists of what albums we were considering for the best of the decade, some absolute locks, and uh, we had a number of disagreements about which artists uh, have the which album is most deserving for which artists. Um, so today we're going to go through some of our absolute favorites and talk about what work deserves most to be represented on the list and of course i think with some of these with some of the artists we're going to talk about today they're going to have multiple uh entries on the top 50 i believe but in terms of absolute locks i would say anyone who wins a debate today uh has an automatic bid for the ultimate list so we're trying to give you a little it's not about who wins it is about about finding ourselves on the journey it's absolutely about who wins (laughs) The royalties that we're going to bestow on one of these artists is absolutely unbelievable. All right. So I think, Jake, you want to, how do you want to do this? Do you want to run down the whole list? I'm going to give people a little preview. Uh, go right ahead. We have six artists we're talking about today, and we're going to work through their decade catalog today. First up, Vampire Weekend, then into Pusha T, up third, Beach House, Grimes, Future, and Dan, do you think everyone knows who six is? Our final artist of the day, the patron saint of our podcast. Dude, it's Dalla. I'm looking at his eyes right now. We have a poster up in the room. Also, we have a painting of Frida Kahlo right next to it. Yeah, and they're making very similar faces. So we'll get into it with Vampire Weekend. So Dan, I sent you my list first, as I remember it. I said, here are my 30 locks. And on that list, I had the album Contra. This decade, Vampire Weekend has released three albums, Contra, Modern Vampires of the City, 2013, when we were seniors in high school, and then Father of the Bride, just this year. Um, I think we're mostly here to debate Contra versus Modern Vampires of the City, because I'm a Contra head, you're a modern vampire yourself. But uh, Father of the Bride, not out of contention. It really isn't. Uh, I think we've been discussing it. I've been discussing it with multiple people. It's not even just it's not even just you, Jake. I talk about music with other people off mic. What? It's pretty hard to believe. Everyone loves this album. And it was released at such a perfect album release times really make a difference because it was released at such a perfect time. They released the two singles um at the beginning of the year. I, I would say fit Feb. Feb, March, two, Probably three. That, that time gave you like a really great hint of what was to come. And they they delivered on that album, which um, was a was an April release or a May release. I'm forgetting. It was May second, early May, late April, depending on how you view a calendar. <laughs> but um, this album has just gotten so much better over time. You realize it's one of those albums 
and I'm going a little bit into it right now, even though we're not really going to discuss it today, but it's one of those albums that just gets better every listen. Absolutely. Um, you get new favorites, and it's just one of those things that reminds you of, like, yeah, a really great album, it can be so satisfying versus a lot of artists where you're like, yeah, those two to three singles were good, never really going to listen to the album again. So it's really nice to see someone putting in so much time to really create an album, and also an album worth its length, which you rarely see. Uh, shout out Chance. <laughs> Shots fired Yeah. five minutes into our pod. And one thing we were talking about earlier this week is how a lot of our favorite albums so far this yeah. year just have really earned their place with a lot of listens. Something right. like Father of the Bride or When I Get Home by Solange, Solange just rewards there, with a lot of different sure. uh, listens. So. And I think listenability is something Vampire Weekend really cared about with this album. Yeah, yeah. It's like sure. a hangout album. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's worth getting into why Vampire Weekend means so much to us. Um, they're mean, the only they're, band. <laughs> They're the only band. Tell me more about that, because you, you, you're, you're pretty high on this. Yeah, I've just been thinking about how they're the only band that people have connections to and have ideas about. Yeah. And like, I think if you're around our age, you just have immense emotional connection to all four Vampire Weekend albums. People actually know the songs. Right. How many other bands uh, <laughs> could the average person list five songs by? The uh, answer is none post-2008. <laughs> or one. Yeah. I, <laughs> Vampire Weekend. Yeah, that's... We were talking about how Tame Impala, and, and this came up in my conversation with Danny as well, is like Tame Impala is the biggest band, but working today, but also it's mainly Kevin. Mm-hmm. Just it, He's the face of it. He's really the only person, right, technically, because he does everything. Um, but then on stage, he has other musicians. Um, but Tame Impala doesn't have like discernible songs that people like. I think that's where, that's where that came in. Right. Because Vampire Weekend, people connect with specific songs. They were so good at capturing a time. Like each album is so good at capturing the time it was released in. Especially if you if you go to a contra, if you go to their first, the first one is unbelievably two thousand. Mm-hmm. It's a two unbelievable two thousands album. It's like it. It's like if you uh, wanted to. Lady Bird should have basically just been the Vampire Weekend album. Should have been scored by the Vampire Weekend album. Um, but yeah, I, when we were talking about that, I think that's a great point. Like how many specific bands do people gravitate to it's more solo artists now that people really like um in the netflix movie that we exactly half liked someone great starring gina rodriguez they have a scene from like a late 2000s college party where they play vampire weekend uh that i thought was well wow real real big misdirection there folks i really think that uh he was gonna say the lizzo song (laughs) you yeah everyone saw it coming everyone thought i might be talking about the mitski song that plays later no one thought that but no (laughs) Um, but yeah, Vampire Weekend has really noticeably um, changed their look for every album. Yeah. If you remember, like with Modern Vampires, like that was, I think, one of the first times I heard the term normcore. It was describing <laughs> how Ezra was dressing at the time. And Shia LaBeouf, too. Absolutely. It was like two, two normcore gods right there. Yeah. Um, was Ezra really trying, though? Because Shia was definitely trying. But Ez- well, Ezra's I think like Ezra the smartest just- person alive. No one has handled celebrity better than Ezra yeah. when you think about it. He is an extremely self-conscious celebrity and seems to have made it work yeah. for him um, and seems to not be miserable, yeah. which is pretty remarkable. So obviously Jake's talking about Ezra Koenig. The, no, no. The, I'm talking about Ezra Klein. Oh. Yeah. Shout out, Vox. Yeah. Um, they'll explain this podcast <laughs> later, um, probably in a nice YouTube video yeah. with good graphics. I uh, If you haven't listened to any interviews with Ezra, just go now or just listen to Time Crisis. It's a great listen. Um, they'll just play like pop songs that he's really liking right now. And there's really no structure to it. It's just whatever music he's feeling, but yeah, absolutely. I, it's a band that you can like on so many levels, which is another thing that's really hard to find because let's just say you're a casual listener and you just love the way they sound. That's great. They sound amazing. And there's a lot of thought that's put into the production and the instrumentals and everything. The sampling on this new album is amazing. If you like, if you go further, you're you're rewarded more. Like mm-hmm. you see the story of an like a, a character in an album, like the progression of a character or like the lyrics. Oh my god, it's yeah. some of the best lyrics that have, have been written, especially especially in the last couple decades. Like it's the best lyrics anyone's come up with. So there's so many reasons to like Vampire Weekend, and so when we're, obviously when we're coming to the list, how do you reward that? Like how do you figure out which is the best of the best of something you like so much? So. Mm-hmm. Jake, if I'm not wrong, Contra is what you 
are standing for and I'm standing for modern vampires. That's right. And of course I love modern vampires and have an intense emotional connection to it. So I'm not dismissing it at all. And in fact, it's one of my favorite albums. But uh, I would say Contra is one of my favorite albums, period. Um, one more thing about Ezra's just general lyricism before we get yep, into it. Yep. Um, what I love about it is the fact that he fills it with, I feel like when Modern Vampires or when Vampire Weekend first came around, everyone was honing in on his like extremely literate lyrics and the fact that he was uh, filling it with references and yes. it was just extremely literate. Mm-hmm. But the entire time there's been, in any given Vampire Weekend song, there's just a clear narrative through line. Um, where you can choose to not investigate any of the references and there's still a very clear story being told. Yeah, um, absolutely. You don't need to really get into lyrics of step in order to really understand what he's talking about. Um, and that's maybe my favorite Vampire Weekend song lyrically. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Contra is one of my favorite albums. I think what I like best about Vampire Weekend is how uh, basically optimistic the music is. Um, it makes me feel very hopeful. And I think Contra yeah. is in many ways their kind of brightest album. Um, and the one that I get the most joy out of start to finish. Uh, Diplomat Song. Uh, Diplomat Song. Diplomat Son is my favorite yep. Vampire Weekend song. And I think awesome. is representative of the album as a whole in a really beautiful way. And it's the song I just feel most connected to and most expresses how sonically complex each of their songs is and i think contra is probably their most complex album mm-hmm. there are so many layers of sound in any given contra song yeah it's so it's crazy because they had the og vampire weekend album come out and contra was still pushing in so many different directions but was still so vampire weekend it was still i don't know how to describe it, it was still a dna of vampire weekend but they able to change even shift their sound like i'm talking about songs like like california english or like cousins like they are so different than any of the songs in the album but it still feels like this cohesive piece of work and it's still within the same realm of understanding for vampire weekend it's not like they went to go do some crazy thing but they were still able to push that sound really and yeah i think some of the, like the best lyrics that you hear are on this album um i think it was ahead of its time Mm-hmm. I think it was critically negatively received for the is most that, part. Is that is that so? Yeah. Uh, what do who do you do you remember anyone? Well, that, the, that was when they called it out. Twenty ten was when Vampire Weekend became controversial. In um, what way? Because of the South African sounds oh, and everyone yeah. just accusing them of cultural appropriation, basically. And that honestly, kind of the start of the cultural appropriation conversation was right around that in music. Um, without really giving much thought to the fact that mm-hmm. Ezra at no point was taking ownership over this stuff and certainly i think was honoring it um but yeah this was their most critically negatively received at the time um and of course the paul simon parallels started to be drawn right there Mm -hmm. you know what's crazy it would still debuted at number one on the charts rock music was more popular rock isn't that nuts like they did do it again Mm -hmm. (laughs) so it's like there's no question if they could do it again because there is such a but I guess that goes back to your debate here about um, what other bands are there? For mm-hmm. people, what other working bands on this scale, at least, that aren't niche, right. that are working like them? Yeah, I mean, we're going to talk about Beach House in a minute. And mm-hmm. Beach House doesn't, I think, have the the pop uh, fanship that Vampire Weekend does. Yeah. Yeah, when you talk about Diplomat Son, I always think of the MIA sample that mm-hmm. they use in that and the way that they've used samples is so different for a band mm-hmm. of their nature um it's almost rap-esque where it's like it's such a defining supporting part of the song um i think they do it least in modern vampires though and kind of segueing i mean i don't know if you have any more thoughts on we're gonna go back contra, and forth but so yeah go for it. modern vampires i think it, it, it for me it goes back and forth about where i was musically and what i was able to kind of understand about music so contra obviously i didn't get the nuances of when contra came out there were a lot of like seniors in high school that were listening to contra so it was kind of the cool thing i was mm-hmm. like oh i'm into the same things they are like this sounds again just if you were just take sonically they sound really nice so it's not hard to get into vampire weekends music. yeah it's always been easy listening it's always been important. easy i really liked like and and you know for a kid like cousins was a really fun track and um 
it didn't require much thinking. Giving mm-hmm. up the gun had the music video famously. Jake Gyllenhaal, yeah, yeah, is in the music video. Um, give that a watch if you are on YouTube. <laughs> if you find if yourself on YouTube, on YouTube. <laughs> you're, uh, they they made it onto YouTube, which is pretty incredible. That's sweet. Um, so that's what I gravitate to. But Modern Vampires for me was like, damn, like I didn't think there were more layers to Vampire Weekend. I thought they were gonna kind of keep this really playful sound, this island sound that you were talking about. Um, and they really, like you said, really dug into um, lyrics, uh, specifically like religion. You start hearing a little bit more darker themes in Vampire Weekend's music. You see them wrestling with like life and death. Um, you know, they have tracks like Dying Young, which is not that hard to figure out. <laughs> as, Say it slowly. Yeah, just see see what it sounds like. Um, unbelievable, un, unbelievers. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> unbelievers. Um, it's again, it still retains their DNA. You still have that tinge of optimism in there, like you were saying. But lyrically, they really shine, and mm-hmm. and I really love how the album. I think it's one of the best better of their albums where each song kind of folds into each other there is a clear order that they've put this in and it's not like it doesn't it's not like the other albums haven't been carried in that way but you see the album kind of uh come to a climax too with like um uh what is it uh, w- coming through step and then going through um dying young and dying young yeah. yeah so i have the just brought up the track listing so you it goes through step and, and then dying young um and then slows down a little bit with with um, Hannah, uh, Don't Lie, and then Hannah Hunt, really one of my favorite songs. Of Everyone's favorite song. A little bit. Is it? Is it, I thought it was like a hidden treasure. You know what no, I mean? No, it's I, I I okay. So neither of us have ever been to a Vampire Weekend concert. No, but I have some. been told that it's the one that uh, everyone goes crazy for. It's Hannah All Hunt. right. Well, it is a really. A, it, I guess it is, I think a lot then. of people have really sincerely. It's a romantic song. It's it is. A, you know. And then it builds and builds and escalates in this thing a little bit, a little climactic. And um, I think one thing you could bash about this album is a little bit of a weaker second half. I would say album. that. Absolutely. So, yeah. well, it's all about God at a certain point. <laughs> What's wrong with that, Jake? <laughs> um, uh, so yeah. So then the second half of the album does lose a little steam. Um, so not, I don't revisit a lot of those songs. Like, I like Everlasting Arms and and Yahe because mm-hmm. um, they're very distinctive. But like Hudson and Young Lion, like you just never really revisit those. Yeah, I would say Vampire Weekend is fully incapable of making a bad song, so it's hard to criticize too heavily. All those songs are very <laughs> listenable, right? But they're definitely yes. the songs I have the least connection to. Is right. everything that happens after Hannah Hunt for the most part, right? Um, but I will say that those first uh, six tracks are just as good a run as you're gonna find. Um, the melodies on those songs are so incredible, so amazing. Yep. I mean, I think Step Into Dying Young just does so much for me. Um, I love Step so deeply. I thought it was like one of the prettiest songs I'd ever heard when I first heard it. It's a, it is a beautiful orchestration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the inst- they're bringing in new in- Again, they're constantly pushing the sound. They're bringing in new instruments. Um, all music was composed by Ezra and Rostam. Mm-hmm. So it's a very clear vision of like what they're trying to do here um so that that actually comes back to why i didn't put contra as my number one contra is listed as a lot of critics favorite album Mm -hmm. by vampire weekend which is funny that you said that critically well i think it's had a huge i've had just so many conversations in my life where i've been like you know what my favorite vampire weekend album is contra yeah and then the other person said yeah yeah but not me i said let's do a podcast about why it's not um for me, Contra, while I, I you know, obviously feel the same way about the the lyrics and sounds, like it just seems a little less um, cohesive to me, and, and especially the way the track listings are are put uh, put into place. So, like Horchata, Holiday, like Ron, I don't really listen to to Run or Taxi Cab very much, and Cousins and Giving Up the Gun, and then Diplomat Son into I think you're a Contra to end the album just never really clicked with me. Mm-hmm. I listened to the song individually, but as like revisiting it recently, it still didn't resonate with me the same as Modern Vampires did, but obviously, right, that was a big influence in my life. Uh, and Modern Vampires came at a certain time. Also, 
probably the album I've listened to most by them all mm-hmm. the way through, and it, we've sat on it for six years before, uh, most recently before um, uh, Father of the Bride. So kind of to wrap this up, Jake, what are your feelings? Do you still... Well, going for Contra, or are you, are you? I would like to clarify think? that I think Modern Vampires is one of the albums I actually have the most like. The memories of that album coming out are yes. the most intense. Certainly. It's hard to separate it was, nostalgia. From. It was the end of our high school run, and then I listened to it all summer, and then it was still it was so big when yeah. I got to school. Um, that year of music also is just kind of our favorite because it has Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> which we're not discussing today, but I think we'll discuss. Are later. you sure? <laughs> um, but. I'm a I'm I will always stick with Contra. We're not I don't think we're actually deciding anything right. today. We might. He's being maybe, noncommittal. Maybe what one of us surprise. will make an argument so incredible <laughs> that the other changes their mind. No, I but, think it was a good I think it was a good but, discussion. Um, yeah, Contra's my album. I think it's so optimistic. I love Horchata so much. Mm-hmm. I just think that that's, no, that's one of my song. it's one of my favorite pretty rock songs. Yeah, and I, I do wanna give some time for the other artists that we're doing, so I guess we'll wrap it up a little bit. Um I think Diplomat's Son is a great song, like you were saying, but I think songs like Cousins, even um, uh, Giving Up the Gun at certain points are just, they're good pop songs, but they didn't really go deeper for me. Um, Holiday's a great song, and I love you know I love that song, but some of the other well, ones just don't resonate. Dan, you know, I, I'm obviously not trying to spoil any part of our list because I want it all to be a shock when it comes out. Both of these albums are making the no. list. No. Yeah. Easy. That's crazy. Vampire well, that's good we- to know. Vampire Weekend could have three albums. That's that's nuts. I'm not sure. Three out of 50. Yeah, that's 50%. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. All right, up next, we're moving on to Pusha T. Pusha T. King Push, King Pin, Overlord. Uh, to review what albums are on the table. I think Push... What albums are on the table? It's much more unclear where we're going with Push than it is with Vampire Weekend. My thoughts are a <laughs> yeah, lot so less clarified. Yeah, so forgive us if we seem a little out of, uh, uh, all over the place here. We're talking mostly about My Name Is My Name, The Prelude, Darkest Before Dawn, yeah. 2015, and Daytona. Ooh, it's a fire discography right there. Do you have an immediate reaction? I have, a, I have, a, I have my intuition where my heart is. Why don't you, why don't you start off? I'm, I, have a, I have a sense, but I, let's, let's hear you first. So I think uh, The Prelude is... What's weird about The Prelude is it's hard to call it your favorite because... It is a prelude to an album that never happened. The whole idea was yeah, that he was going to. Yeah, what was the story gonna, behind that? He was going to release an album a couple months later. Called, this came out in December 2015. What was the album called? I don't remember. We were so hyped for that, though. It was December 2015. He came out with uh, the prelude, and then he said he was coming out with another longer album later. But this song is this album is ten songs long, which is of course longer than the album he came out with subsequently. Yeah, we didn't think it could get any shorter. Um, did he surprise drop? No, we knew about it. The prelude? We knew about it. Huh. Um, but the prelude for me, Daytona is 7 for 7, but this album is 10 for 10, just slightly better. Um, it's also, I just think it's perfect. I love every song on this album. Um, and it's incredibly hard to choose a favorite song on this album. Um, I also think age does matter with their artists. And I think Push is getting on in years. And it's, uh, I think someone artists typically do their best work before 40 wow and uh push it you hear that he turned 40 you set your sights on jake you now. should kill me um <laughs> i need that diss track <laughs> yeah you, son of added on too he makes fun of me for my yeah. my my fake son yeah um yeah he turned 40 in 2017 he was 38 when the album that's came out that's crazy i know he and kanye are the same age it's still uh is crazy to think like it's one of the best solo rap careers like coming off of clips it's a really long career it's really, really long. long quality career really he's good we career. like him um honestly i think that's where my heart uh, went to as well but i also do have a proclivity for my name is on my name really love that album i think that was also Ooh, jake guess what year 2013 that was baby what a great year it's yeah gotta do a 2013 pod i think our uh best songs of the decade pod is going to be a 2013 pod <laughs> um damn that was a good album uh so basically on that king put i'm, I'm just going on that track list because it's so good 
king push and numbers on the board to start this thing off. Wow. Numbers on the board will be discussed in a, wow. in a future pod. Insane. Some of the best bars I've ever heard just coming off just from numbers on the board. Um, I'm skipping through here. Some ones that I, I still come back to hold on with Rick Ross. Um, 40 Acres and No Regrets, which has Jeezy on it. Um, nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Ooh. That was a big deal. With Very Kendrick. big deal. One of the best Kendrick features. I would say it is probably his best. Or uh, No More Parties. <laughs> I'm still going with F and Problems. Wow, number one. Yeah, that's his best feature. Because Kendrick only has... I'm, I'm going to put this take out here now. Uh, Kendrick is not good at features. I mean, sure. <laughs> I'm down. No, because some artists are good at hop... Like, one thing I've considered recently, Rick Ross has great features. Yeah, Rick Ross is amazing. It's um, exciting to hear him. So, Vince Staples, amazing features. Like... Kendrick doesn't have that because his style is so like within his own. Well, world. I think a lot of it has to do with personality. Like yeah. Rick Ross is a personality driven artist, right? It's just, you're listening to Rick Ross mm-hmm. and Kendrick is drawing you in a lot more with his, uh, just how good he is at rapping. Right. Um, also the, his guest verse on goosebumps is one of the funniest things in the world. Peter Piper, big to Pepper. Yeah, stay tuned. We're going to redo all of goosebumps and Jake's going to do the whole verse. Yeah. It's, it's coming up at the end of the podcast. Um. Yeah, I forget where we were going with this. I was going through the track list, but that that's just my that's my view of, of Kendrick's features. Um, I can get more into it when we when we discuss Kendrick and some of our bigger artists um, for the 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 official list and maybe some of the songs list. Um, but going down this album, yeah, Nostalgia is still one of the best you know, rap songs of the decade. And then, kind of in the years since, Pain with Future. Mm-hmm. Age really well, um, and snitch with Pharrell as well to end out the album. So, yeah, that was a that was really a, a seminal album, I think, and it kind of sets the tone for the rest of Push's career and who he collaborates with, mm-hmm. who you know, pre- being a part of good music, who he, he continues to. I don't think Kanye was that heavily involved, but I think it gets him on the map with this album. I mean, he produced numbers on the board. <laughs> he did. But having said that, I think it's pretty obvious that um, Prelude is a better overall album. I just don't listen to My Name Is My Name start to finish, if I'm being honest with I you. really just go back to numbers on the board. Yeah. and nostalgia. The best songs are so great. Yeah. Um, but I really dislike the song Sweet Serenade. Yes. I think it's really it bad. comes on always comes on after. Yeah numbers on the board and i gotta change it immediately it's a terrible song yeah it's with chris brown yeah it's like the worst thing chris brown has done this decade all right we're cutting that <laughs> um yeah so i think this one's a little bit easier um do we i mean do we i feel no need to argue that daytona deserves a spot on this list daytona's great but it's seven songs long daytona's awesome daytona is just like a missile yeah any sort of weapons comparison that you can make about Daytona is probably accurate. It's a small it's, dagger. No, it's not that. Okay. <laughs> no. Um, it's a bow and arrow. Yeah, it's it's a direct hit. Like it's just, it's it's fire. Like it's just he's he's, he's relentless on Daytona, and it's just one, just straight kind of. Uh, it's one straight. He just goes straight in about rap rappers like the state of the industry like kind of demanding that he gets the respect that he's due and he does get he gets it on this yeah. and it's just there's no um there's no uh argument about Push's abilities when when daytona is released and it puts him on the radar for a lot of people well yeah i mean the drake beef makes him much more famous yes certainly any thoughts about the drake beef does no, that does that i change I, view I, about I famously don't like rap beefs i don't like having to take side well, I like lame. I like most like <laughs> think of all of Drake's beefs like I just happen to lo- love Drake and love whoever he's beefing all with. Right, that's so boring. I don't like them. They're not fun. The I just remember good- a story added on coming out and I was at work still. It's like 7 p.m. and just like running around the office like this just happened. The only thing I like about the Drake uh, push of beef is just Drake's interview with LeBron. Yeah. Well, the, the barbershop. Which is like the greatest show of all time. Where it we find out that Drake asked LeBron permission yeah. to do things. <laughs> he just didn't want to let LeBron down, man. I don't either. He texted him that. Yeah. Yeah. Um 
so yeah, the prelude, check it out if you haven't yet. There's some amazing, for me, like an untouchable, still one of the best sample talks I've ever heard. And then you have like, again, just really great songs, crutches, crosses, caskets, say that <laughs> 10 times fast. MPA. MPA with Kanye. What a great Kanye. Really, a, a, I would say that's a gem. That's a gem that many people don't either know about or um, revisit a lot, you know, because it, it's just kind of hidden in there. But amazing music video, too, if you ever watch that. MFTR also with the dream. MFTR. I love that song so much. Um, you get some Beanie Siegel in there, some Kehlani yeah. in there. Oh yeah, Kehlani. Yeah, with Retribution, FIFA, uh, FIFA, and then ended out. Sunday and Timbaland. Timbaland's uh, produ- produces one of those songs. Track seven. Or so eight, yeah, I don't remember. That's our push a pick for today. Hey, good job. Uh, actually, speeding through number two after taking our time with Vampire Weekend. Yeah, we're so bad with time. I think we're great at time. <laughs> Up next, we're going to talk about Beach House. Beach How are we going to go about talking about Beach House? They have three albums in contention. Yeah, so I'm going to let you take the lead on this one. Sure. So Beach House has had a very, very busy decade. Uh, so so I feel like Beach House is a little bit, is a little less known than any of our art. Do so you have like a two second, two, <laughs> two second, two sentence kind of description of the band? Uh, dream pop. Very dreamy dream music. Pop. Synthy. Uh, they went to... Vassar College, Wesleyan College. What are those two? The, they're Oberlin. different colleges. Yeah. Oh, Jesus, damn. Shots um, fired. Lead singer Victoria Legrand. I always love this fun mm-hmm. fact. Is the niece of Michelle Legrand, who died this year and did the music for many of the best movies of the French New Wave. Dan, how do you feel about that? Wow, that's Dan's very morbid. Dan's fucking bored. <laughs> <laughs> Almost forgot to yawn. Um, um, so, but, uh, I would say Beach House had two very good albums in the late 2000s, mm-hmm. um, Devotion and Beach House, uh, but were certainly nicher. And then nicher. 2010, when Teen Dream came out, uh, they exploded a bit more. And I would say they're one of the bands that has had the biggest followings throughout the decade. Uh-huh. Uh, Teen Dream, a critical darling, uh, one of a, a pitchfork favorite for sure, but they've had a bunch of albums that you could call their best of the decade i think uh we're mostly talking today about 2010 teen dream 2012 bloom and 2015 depression cherry oh so seven's not in here at all uh, do you want to argue for seven seven's really good seven is very solid let's we'll get there seven i would call uh dramatically less uh ecstatic or absorbing than the other albums um, I just think Seven's really good. Seven didn't really capture my imagination. Um, Seven also. I don't know. Drunk in L.A. It's a great song. I agree. But here's my thing with Seven. I go through phases where I just only listen to Beach House for a month at a time. <laughs> and just, You just like hide. You go into hibernation basically. It's fully unclear during those periods if I'm really happy or really sad. <laughs> Probably happy. But uh, I would never turn on Seven, I think. I would stick to these three albums mostly. Also, Thank Your Lucky Stars, their other 2015 album, is also good, but we're not going to talk about it. Yeah, I think what's so difficult about all these albums is some of these have some amazing songs. Um, I know for me, like off, just off Depression Cherry, you have Space Song, which I love. I really like uh, Wildflower and like really like Levitation as well and Sparks. So Depression Cherry is what, when I first heard of Beach House, I'll be honest with you, I didn't. I wasn't big. Actually, I heard of Bloom, but that they still weren't on the map for me. And off Bloom, I really like Myth, um, and some of you know Irene and, and like Troublemakers, some of the ones in there. But um, twenty Depression Cherry is what got me on the map for them. Mm-hmm. I was just taken away by. I was talking about this with my friend Danny. Just the use of sp- artists use of space mm-hmm. where it's just like you feel like you're just in this expansive never-ending dream almost when you listen to beach house and it's so relaxing it's so intense it's also. really intense um when we saw him in concert it was just like it, it, it the atmosphere was changed you know when they were doing and it's just two people mm-hmm. yeah, i'm a sucker for duos he you loves a that. duo i love a duo um so which one are you which one are you going for? You're right, going a couple, for a couple teen things. Dream, teen First, dream? just like life hack. Yeah. For everybody. Bloom Instrumentals, the full album in Instrumentals is on YouTube. Wow. 
So whenever you need to work, put that on. It's great. Do you really need the instrumentals though? Because the vocals I get are... so distracted by vocals. It's <laughs> you almost start impossible. Singing along. The only vocals I can listen to when I work are Spanish. Interesting. Yeah. Rosalia. Um, um, mm-hmm. But uh, so for me, I think it's actually hard to decide whether I like Bloom a lot, but it's not really in contention for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always been between Teen Dream and Depression Cherry. Yeah. I think Teen Dream is magnificently good. Start to finish. Every song is great. I also think uh, Silver Soul might be the best song they ever made. Um, also, I think Beach House entered our life before we knew it entered our life because they were so heavily sampled they in the so early 2010s, sampled. specifically by The Weeknd. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like we had Beach House sounds in our mind before we right. were listening to Beach House, which I think That's matters. That's a good point. Um, I will also say Sneak Peek, Silver Soul, and a song that samples Silver Soul, which I'm sure all of you know will both be making my personal top 100 songs list, which I think is unique that a song and a song that samples it will both make the list. Um, but Dan doesn't care at all. I'm so bored. Dan is fucking bored. Um, but um, to clarify, I'll be going with Depression Cherry, um, which is wow, straight up one of my another favorite Another misdirection right there. Um, I think uh, Levitation is probably the most immersive opening track mm-hmm. I know. Um, it just puts me in such a particular space. Picture this, Dan. I'm in Vietnam, mm-hmm. late 2015. This album comes out. I'm thinking about returning home, yeah. what that might mean. And suddenly I have a, an album to work through. Um, also, PPP is just about yeah. as good as it gets. Um, and just, it's like, uh, I think the best song uh, thing a song can do is just uh, like clarify a way that you don't even know you're feeling. Um, and I wow. think when I listen to PPP, I just think like, how do they know I feel that way? How do they know? I feel like I I haven't really known you until now. That's true. No, you're right. Um, it's kind of funny that we ended out in the same place because I think Depression Cherry was also the the one I was gonna do. I think Space Song is their best song. I think mm-hmm. it might be their most popular, honestly. But it's for good reason. It's an amazing song, and Depression Cherry really just elevated that sound. I think for them, um, and just captured a lot of the best ideas. You know, from coming off of Myth, uh, coming out. Sorry, coming off of Bloom. Um, and teen dream so i also think something we both care about with albums is coherency Mm -hmm. and just like carrying through a single sound from start to finish and i think depression cherry does that as well as any album look at that that was the same page that was sick i think when we i think when we first sent these lists around you actually had bloom i did i did but dan did some that's because i it, it's one of those things, like when, the last album that you listen to by them, mm-hmm. you're like, it's the best album. Oh, totally. <laughs> I, I go through phases with particularly Beach House albums, definitely. Yeah. Also, if I may, we one have a smooth transition here. One of the best album artwork. Oh, Depression Cherry? No. Um, Bloom. Bloom. <laughs> what, what do you think about... I'm, I'm a huge visual person, so like that album artwork will always be mm-hmm. um, kind of ingrained in me. Because you know, iTunes was like very used to be very visual. I don't know if you are. Knew are this. you familiar with Coverflow? I not familiar. Um, so I a lot of those, a lot of the way that I remember music is through the album cover, and so that's how I knew I knew about Beach House because that album cover I would see that a lot around 2012, but I didn't. I wouldn't explore the whole album. Mm-hmm. I would just because there was no streaming. <laughs> you couldn't just you stream the album. <laughs> there was streaming in 2012. Um. No, it wasn't as ubiquitous as, as it is now. Listen, Dan, you want the receipts? I was well right. on Spotify nah, mid-2012. Right. Okay, so there's no excuse, but <laughs> okay, I saw the album cover. All right, leave me alone. Um, Jeez. Smooth transition here, because you just didn't about face. You just said, I was thinking Bloom, now I'm thinking Depression Cherry. Yeah. Uh, we're moving on to Grimes, one of the premier geniuses of the, Grimes, of the decade. ex-girlfriend of Elon Musk. Did they break up? Oh, did they not break up? Did they break up? <laughs> What's happening with them? I actually came around on them. I thought, you know, Grimes, good for you. Um, Well, I don't want to start any rumors here. So. We don't know. <laughs> I just assumed they were broken up. Mainly because, like, Elon has been going through all that stuff with uh, Tesla and, like... And it must be, tr- it must be stressful. Know. No, just, like, he... He did this. He did that thing where he tweeted like uh, about the stock or something like that, and it caused it to go down or whatever. Oh, that's, yeah. that's illegal. You can't do that. He's like, I. Oh, he said he was gonna sell the company at a certain valuation, right. at like 
$420 million. Dog. Incredible. Yeah. Um, so TBD, if they are to be TBC, if they are still together, but great <laughs> artists. <on> the list. <laughs> CBD. <laughs> Chaos in the CBD. Um, yeah. So yeah. we're talking about, I've come to the chase here. We're talking about art angels and we're talking about visions when it comes. Yeah. To I would like to shout out, yeah. uh, Guidey primes and Halfaxa. Um, but you know, oh. we're talking about art angels and we're talking about visions. Who are you going to shout out? Uh, who was I going to shout out? Uh, do you ever think to yourself, I'm about to wild the fuck out. I'm going Claire Boucher. I want Bobby Boucher. Claire Boucher. That's Grimes' real name. Oh. You idiot. Yeah. I wasn't prepared. No. I wasn't prepared for this You, d- you didn't read my notes. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't um, read your email. <laughs> but, uh, so. Yeah, what the is... The basic idea of this podcast was one of us was going to argue for one album and the other was going to yeah. kind of play devil's advocate. And when we were first emailing about this, you said you were going Visions. I, I said was. Art Angels. I've done a lot of Grimes listening since. I've been in a heavy Grimes phase for the last three months. And uh, I'm still happy to argue for Art Angels because I love <laughs> Art Angels. But I Visions will be ranking higher on my personal list. Visions is awesome. Yeah. Um, not going to sugarcoat it. If you want to get into Grimes, listen to Art Angels first. Art Angels is an incredible pop album. Exactly. It's really great. That's the thing because the industrial element... Basically, Grimes. Grimes is what synth pop and like people use all sorts of dumb like because there's no cyborg pop. Oh my god! Because um, she went on Garage Band ten years ago and just started cranking out these just mad the hits, and mm-hmm. that was what she was known for. And it was kind of it was again ahead of her time. Like she'd be putting that stuff on SoundCloud now. I think I'm sure she still does, mm-hmm. but there was no platform. MySpace was like the biggest music platform, I guess, back then. Um, it was in between MySpace and maybe like your bigger SoundCloud stuff. I'm sure SoundCloud existed to a certain extent, but that's not where artists were coming from. So basically, she just puts her, um, she makes everything on GarageBand and puts this online, and it kind of blows up from there. Um, and so the reason I say Visions, and I was I was texting about this with Andy too. Um, he prefers Art Angels, kind of as someone who's new to Grimes. Um, I totally get that. Our Angels has California, which I, is like my favorite song by Grimes. It's an amazing it's song. It's so good. Um, it's just like a cal- calling it California is it makes total sense. It feels like you're there. Like it's just such a sunny track, and it just uses combines all these sounds that you would just never think of putting together. Which is you always want to be listening to visionary people like that. But anyway. Visions, I think, really sets the tone for a lot of music going forward in the decade. It, what, it came out in 2011 or 2012? 12. So, yes, it is a little bit less maybe commercial than um, where she is at with Art Angels. But having said that, like some of those beats are so good. Um, the production on it is excellent and... I don't know. It's like it's the qualities that I like in like a Yeji or like any of your other kind of DJ um, producers who are who are kind of using pop and and these different sounds to to produce it's like crazy kind of industrial tracks that that layer in and I'm a sucker for that because like I love I love this album. I, I often talk about the Social Network album, which also kind of <laughs> does the same thing. Um, you know, Trent kind of. Trent Reznor's vision for Nine Inch Ales, which shows up a little bit here. So, um, visions I think sets the tone for the decade and her work going forward, and that's why I I, I rank that higher than Art Angels. Yeah, I also think um, a I think she's just like I think her and Kanye are really the the two most impressive producers of sound. I would this put decade. Charlie third. Well, I just mean in terms of like actual production. You okay, know what I mean like actually putting the sounds I together. See, yeah. um, but it's, I mean, those beats, like, when you're talking about Genesis and Oblivion, like, it's mm-hmm. hard to imagine someone actually made those and that they didn't just <laughs> exist. Like, it's weird to think yeah. that Genesis didn't exist before. Um, I find those songs so moving and beautiful. And, I mean, Genesis is straight up one of my favorite songs. Mm-hmm. Um, Oblivion also, it should be mentioned, Pitchfork's best song of the half decade. Number one. I didn't know that. And number two was, I think, the more obvious choice, which was Runaway um wow so wow yeah but 
yeah, I find Visions as an album to actually work through. It takes a while because there mm-hmm. are so many tracks that are really yep. more sonic than they are anything else. But it's interesting you talk about other electronic producers because I think what I love so much about Grimes is the fact that she cares so much about song structure mm-hmm. um, and that these are do still work as pop songs, as R&B songs. Um, and you just hear these echoes of songs you've, you know and love in her like deeply... Um, you know, affected and electronic songs. I think like visions, uh, vowels equal space and time. It's one of my favorite songs in this album. And it's just like her kind of like her urgent, uh, like the hook of that song is just like, there's something really urgent about it. It's something I love off of pin on art angels too. Um, that I think there's something about like the fact that so much of the music she's working in electronic music is based on sampling and mm. modulating people's voices and the fact that she's actually singing yeah she works with the one singer right uh-huh. very closely yeah i don't know if you remember her name or not but i remember reading that there's there's one singer that she's always pitching mm-hmm. it's kind of the voice that you always hear i think besides her um it's when you said modulating people's voices that's what came to mind right it's, that's a, that's a signature part of her music right but i think there's some interplay between sampling and distorting and her natural right voice that is just really crazy like you hear her harmonizing with herself all the time right so i mean it's just one of those things where it's like all right what's your personal preference versus like what should be on a list art angels is what grimes is going to be remembered for i well i but i feel like visions is the like is considered the more groundbreaking one and right more of the critical a little bit more of the critical Mm -hmm. darling and also i think I just think Genesis and Oblivion are two songs that'll be played forever. Right, but I also think California and I, I personally love Kill V Vame oh, as course. well. Well, I think Art Angels is amazing so. start to finish. It doesn't have a bad song. Also, um, she really comes into her own like with her, um, again, I gotta go back to the album artwork. It's amazing on this thing. Mm-hmm. And she starts really, this aesthetic starts to come together. Um, and she's like a power player basically after Art Angels comes into the scene. Visions gets her a lot of credit, especially within the music industry. But Art Angels, like, that's when you get a lot of that commercial reception and the fans. You mm-hmm. get, like, way more, like, fans into Grimes and things like that. And so she's, like, solidified her place, I think, with Art Angels. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking at it from a decade point of view, I think Art Angels, you couldn't go wrong with Art Angels. Right. Well, again, um, spoiler, they're both making Jake's just making these calls left and right. We didn't talk about this. Yeah, it's going to happen, though. <laughs> I know you. I just have never heard, like, songs that are technically electronic. I've just never heard yeah. the song structure that she's able to pull off. So you're going to see a lot of those songs on our songs list as Absolutely. Well. She's a true genius. Yeah. One of the few. Um, good job, Grimes. Check Great another decade. one off. Next up, our penultimate one. Future. Hendrix. Future Hendrix. What can be said about Future that hasn't been said before? Almost nothing. We're done. <laughs> um, Future has made an incredible amount of music this decade. Oh, my gosh. It's not worth recounting. Is it not? He has made too many mixtapes. We're not going to count them. Okay. So I'm trying to read off the albums here. So we have Pluto. Was Pluto uh that's, album? Yeah, that's 2012. That's an album. Hold up. He's made so many. Honest albums. is an album. There we go. All right. So... Yeah, Pluto was the album, first album from this decade, 2012. Honest, 2014. DS2, 2015. Evil, 2016. Oh, that's an album. It's very short, though. Evil was an Apple Music like exclusive right. album for like two months or something like that. And then everyone heard Low Life. Yeah. There's some, there's some slappers on there. Evil is really good. Yeah, I think that one gets overlooked a little bit. That was during his run when he was just, he couldn't make any bad music. Um, yep, because those are these are all back-to-back years. Changes the game again in 2017. Back-to-back weeks with Future and Hendrix. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, that was, what a great time to be alive in February 2017. And they're different albums, it's crazy. They're so different. It's uh, it's Future just perfecting the, the craft that is future like that auto-tune just gut busting like production right um similar to kind of how push it i think came out with daytona like he's just he's just unleashing himself with these two albums 
Well, Future is really the more pop one, and then Hendrix is the... I don't even know how to describe it's it. R&B. Yeah, it's a little bit more R&B. A little more melodic, um, slower. Um, so, and then you have Hendrix. Oh, sorry. And then you have The Wizard, which came out this year. Mm-hmm. A little mixed on that one a little bit still. I think you obviously have, with every future album, you're getting at least like three to four bangers, mm-hmm. basically. Like just solid future hits. That's what that album did. Didn't really do anything else didn't really change anything of our perception about future didn't push anything and i think that's we we hold them to a higher standard right Mm -hmm. and but if you talk to anyone and andy uh, you know always uh, he makes the great point of just like future is just consistent it's what you get with future we makes an extraordinary amount of music we haven't even like we didn't even throw out 56 nights no which wasn't an album right but just had a ton of music yeah 56 nights i love um and you know he did the album with Thug, and like he obviously did "What a Time to Be Alive," which is a huge mm-hmm. deal when that came out. Um, well, recorded in the yeah. same session. I mean, yeah, they also came out with it. I haven't cared about anything that much since Future Hendrix. Like I've listened to it all. I like Beast Mode Two, which came out last summer. Mm. I think that's pretty good. That was, Otherwise, yeah. I haven't really loved a Future project since Future Hendrix. But that feels like likely his last great album, which I'm okay with. You get you're already. Uh, you know, putting them in that box, you think artists don't make a lot of great albums. Wow. Typically, they make so a bunch cynical. of good stuff, but only a couple of great albums. And I think DS2 and Future yeah. Hendrix viewed as I don't know. I kind of think of Future Hendrix as well. No, album. you got to separate them. You want me to separate? Yeah, them? you have to separate. I have to them. choose one. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna. In that case, I will argue for Future over Hendrix. Shit. Yeah, that's the same. Because Future has all the hits. So. <laughs> It's I so good. Hits. Like, it's got Draco. It's got Draco. Feds did a sweep. Ugh. Oh my God. What's such a good song? Um, it's got, we got Mask Off, of course. It's the subtlety in a lot of these songs. Um, like, Mask Off. And basically, with these, it's like, it's Metro also pretty much making like the. He's switching off between Future and Thugger, basically, around this era. Of making like insane beats for these guys, mm-hmm. um, and this is basically like where everyone was like Atlanta is unstoppable right now. It's just the best. They're they're making everything, and this is even before you get some of these younger guys coming in. They're obviously making mixtapes, but no one really knew who Gunna was in like 2017. Um, Mask off. I just gotta say, one of the best parts of Mask off is that little kind of like uh, extra beat that Metro throws in in the middle, and yeah. Future's voice just like matches that beat incredibly and when i say like he really perfects the auto-tune it's just like his vo- his voice is just straight an instrument at this point like it's so pointed it's so accurate about how like he carries it through through these beats so um uh just every like basically if you just threw a dart at any of these songs like you're you're getting a great song like super trapper poa i'm so groovy I'm again so, I, I just bought it so good again just like this really like um really catchy beat and he's just able to adapt his voice to to that beat. what's the great song right before uh uh i'm so groovy might as well uh that's the one right after the one before okay. scrape might as well uh which do you know what's do you know what might as well samples i discovered no. this organically no i didn't, I didn't look know. it up might as well samples the her soundtrack it's so far. It's amazing. It speeds it up. Um, so Tarantino is listed as the the main producer on that one. Mm-hmm. So bringing Quentin. that sound in. Yeah, Quentin. Um, probably his best piece of uh, art that he's yeah. ever made. Is, yeah, everything else as well. is trash. Um, but ultimately, I'm not that set on this one. I mean, I'm ultimately probably um, arguing for DS2 because, again, it's the most coherent and I think it was Future at the absolute height of his powers. Um, and I love that album. I think it's great. It's so, it's very hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Actually, you know, DS2 was is on my list for best of the decade. But now that I'm recounting the Future album track list, I would maybe vie for that one as well mm-hmm. on the list. Just because, again, it's so hard to, do you know how many songs were on Future? I mean, same thing with Hendrix. DS2. 
I think it was like 20 songs. It was like more than 20. It's uh, I think it's like 35 songs it's between tw- the two albums. It's 20 songs on Future, yeah. And then 18 on DS2. Yeah, so, DS2's long. DS2 is too long, which is actually something that yeah, I would... Yeah, it drags a little bit. That I would... I would because the first DS2. half is very perfect. Um, but the second half, too, you, like, you get um, Trap N-Words and, you know, Stick fuck up Talk, commas, right? Rich Sex. Yeah, uh, Fuck Up Some Commas is the last one. Um... But yeah, when you start when you start off an album with "Thought It Was a Drought," I serve the bass and where you're at, like, yeah. yeah, you're in for a treat. Well, I I think it's actually an interesting debate between Future and DS2 because DS2 is much more coherent mm-hmm. and Future has a wider variety of sounds, which I think we're all interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, the variety of the songs I would consider hits on Future is pretty yeah. immense. They sound pretty different. Percocet and Stripper Joint. Mm-hmm. Oh, I forget. That that one's at the end, too. I love TikTok so much. TikTok is great. Um, it's a tough one, man. I mean, I got to say, though, I really, I, th- I think he really brought it with, with Future. And I think going forward, I, I would love both albums on the list. But if I, were, I think maybe if I were to prefer one, I might go Future from 2017. I'm willing to agree. Yeah. I think you've made a compelling argument. I think... When you end the album with Fed's this sweep, you basically just seal it as your best one. He also, you know, what was a brilliant move on Future? Just spreading out the great songs. Yeah. They're really like, they. it's like every other song. Exactly. There's there's no really weak part of this and album. I know we're both absolute homers for Draco. Draco's an amazing song. <laughs> um, and it's just three producers on Future. Yeah. It's just, it's mainly Southside, Metro, and Zaytoven, mm-hmm. which is just like Atlanta's best. Yeah. Cool. Wow, a surprise, a surprise one. I would say we, I thought we were both going to do that. We learned a little something about ourselves. All right. For the finale, we go to our absent <laughs> guy. We've done an exclusive pod on him before. He's the patron saint, Ty Dollar Sign. Bless up. This is our guy. We're, of course, talking about three Ty Dollar Sign albums specifically. Free TC, 2015. Oh, we are including Free TC in this. We're just going to include it. 2016 campaign, 2017 Beach House 3. Oh my gosh. Um, doing this in back-to-back years is so fucked up. <laughs> we'll never get over it. Every single time he surprised us with how good the album was. Oh man. He's our greatest hit maker. Yeah, I don't think we had to go into it too much. Like, maybe we did do background. a full podcast. <laughs> we did two years ago. Um, it's really hard to explain how Free TC like. Well, we just stunned up. by it. <laughs> we just had no idea this was coming. It was incredible when it dropped. We it just blew all of our expectations out of the water. Hearing, obviously, Blase was my kind of mm-hmm. the, the foray into that album, which is so crazy because the rest of the album is so different. We were talking last night that like, so I would say the first Ty Dolla song, song Ty Dolla songs, the first Ty Dolla Sign songs I was aware of, yep. were uh, Paranoid mm. and mm. Work from Home. <laughs> A great song. It's a banger, pop banger. And then Free TC was the first time I heard him as a coherent artist. Um, may I ask? I know this is a little bit of a spoiler, but do you have in your head what your favorite Ty Dolla Sign song is? Uh, Mine is very subject to change. Uh, I really like. I'm I'm a sucker for all of his acoustic songs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is it stealing? It's steal, uh, stealing. Yeah, stealing when the violin comes in at the end. Yeah, it's incredible. Stealing's Love pretty amazing. Daddy. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, don't we all? Um, for me, I think it changes all the time, and it probably will change by the time mm-hmm. we come out with our songs list. But I would say Dollar Sign, off Campaign, off campaign. and Solid, off Free TC. It's a great song. Are often my favorites. Solid, I just am. So, I was just so stunned by that song when I heard it. Yeah, it's like my favorite rap acoustic with baby song. Baby face. Yeah. Um, obviously we stand for horses in the stable. Yeah. We don't, we don't stand any up the, for it. <laughs> we don't condone any of the, let it be known that post late is not, we don't, we do not like that metaphor. Opinions and reflections of <laughs> nothing we say matters. <laughs> yeah. I think on each album, he outdoes himself, um, in terms of how types of sound he wants to bring in and everything, any type of style 
you he's adaptable because the voice this voice is amazing yeah just as a classically great voice which is like so his voice would have worked in any era <laughs> yeah um but to state it plainly i believe we're arguing for different albums right yeah let's let's do a little arguing here i am a beach house three supporter you are you are that's a good one i think it's <laughs> start to every song is a hit i've never heard anything like it i think it is just more loaded with hits than any other album this decade i'm not saying it's the best album yep but i'm just saying it's hits it's got hits um and i outside of kanye west i've never heard a better deployment of features mm. than on that album i think it has some of future's best moments i think sway <laughs> lee is amazing on it that's a good point. I think YG is amazing on it. I think it's point. probably definitely my favorite Jeremiah moment. Yeah. I really love Beach House 3. Um, it gets, again, it's one of those albums where it just gets better every time you listen to it. Because you know every song's new. a hit. So you can get obsessed with a new song all the time. Um, and I think you make, make a great point about the features. Um, there are a couple songs on there where, you know, like Stare, where we're like, yeah, I'm pretty sure Uzi already this. made this song. <laughs> Wait, this song came out two months ago. Yeah, so it's just little things like that. It is a little long, um, again. And then he extended it. He did extend it. Um, so I don't, I don't think it's a bad choice at all. Um, but I think campaign, for the same reason that, um, uh, modern vampires for me, where you can just have this straight listen, and it's just like each song is a banger. And it depends on what you're looking for out of a Ty Dolla Sign album at a certain time. But, oh my gosh, Dolla Sign into Campaign. Campaign, into Campaign, with, Campaign, then Campaign. Then you got, the, basically, 3, 4, and 5 feature, Mig- feature Migos and then Travis Scott. That is heat. That is heat. And then you get more into like that R&B stuff. Like It's such, it just draws you in and it just keeps you there. You can't stop listening to this album once it's on. Yeah, I mean, the first half feels cocaine-fueled, and then it gets really And smooth. then it gets into, like, Stealing and, and My Song. Um, and Zaddy. And Zaddy, yeah. And then uh, he actually, I see here on the extended version, he has uh, a Charlie Heat remix. Of, <laughs> and we know that some of the best albums that we know have Charlie Heat remixes on them. Um, We're going to have Charlie. Are, that have been added in. We've got Charlie Heat on the show next week. <laughs> He'll be remixing this episode. Perfect, perfect. Get those in. Ultimately, with Beach House 3, though, it's just the amount of hits that makes me go for it. Mm-hmm. It's start to finish hits, in my opinion. I can think of genuinely yeah. about 12 or 13 songs I love on that album. Out of I think of getting 20. to the end of that album, getting to songs like So Am I, getting to Side Effects, and they're still yeah. so good. You can't overstate enough how good those those last few are. Yeah. Um, and also, Dan, we're just people who love hits. Yeah, and I also think he does a lot more with the features here. Like, obviously, I love the future... Migos to Travis Scott feature, but you know, you get some really interesting people on here. So am I is just kind of So am I so good. You know, like he's Good job insecure. That doesn't sound like song. A, exactly. That doesn't sound like anything. I know. That I well it, it sounds like uh it's very like Skrillexy or Diplo. That's why Skrillex is on there. Yeah. So and and your guy, Damien Marley. Yeah, good for Damien. Damien Head. I don't remember which Marley he is. Um so we're I don't know. This is me. And where, where do we now? So you're really here? committed to campaign. I am pretty committed to campaign. I think more than I thought. Um, I'm not seeing ground on because I can't. I, I can't. I can't give up stealing. I can't give up how good this run of songs. But damn, is. the songs list is where they're all going to shine. T- Doll's going to have so- Doll's going to have a th- hard seven on the songs list. I'll tell you that it is. Um, yeah, I I don't think I'm seeing ground either. So all I think right. this is one we work out later. But I think, I think we, to... if you want to recap real quick, should we talk about which decisions we made? Go ahead. I have to recap. I'll do it. All right. So on Vampire Weekend, I argued for Contra. You argued, argued for, for Modern, Modern Vampires. Vampires of the city. Um, and we got to a draw. Neither of us ceded any ground. For Push, we both agreed. The Prelude. The Prelude. Before the Dawn. Wins. Beach House. Same page. Depression Cherry. Yep. Grimes. Same page. Visions. Future, probably our most interesting change of heart because I thought we were going to end up on DS2, but we both ended on I Future. I think we both thought we were going to end up on DS2. And we and, then we, we <laughs> and you know what? That's because we're open-minded, good people. Feds did a sweep. Feds did a sweep. And then with Dala, we're at a draw. We're at a draw. You want campaign. I want Beach House 3. It'll all be resolved one day soon. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed listening to us ramble on about some of our favorite albums here. I hope 
maybe there's a new album on your list uh check it out um albums are great guys <laughs> i think we i just eyeballing this list i think it's possible we talked about three albums that will make it in my top 10 jake I'm not just sure. knows jake just possible. knows what's up with this list he knows when it's coming out <laughs> i've been thinking about this list my entire life um so stay tuned we have so much more content coming your way dan's got to catch a bus right now i gotta listen i'm, I'm about to be mobile We're he's mobile. hightailing it to the gw bridge <laughs> give away my location that's my spot yeah yeah really don't, cool don't kill spot. him at the gw bridge in an hour and a half <laughs> thanks guys stay tuned